Hello, hello, and warm greetings to you, good citizens of the cannabis community. Welcome to the Infuse Show, brought to you by Terrapin Select CBD. Be wise, be well. Visit terrapinselect.com for all your health and wellness needs. Hi, I'm Nick. I'll be taking care of you guys. Uh, can I, we start off with some drinks for the table, Mike and Francesca? Let's do it. Yes. <laughs> Look, some bread for the table. Our team at Infused is back together. Uh, we've been, we've had some time out on the road, so it feels really good to just be back together doing what we love, guys. So, Mike, Francesca, good to see you. Um, but I think you two are both really, really excited, as I am, and has everything to do with today's guest. We awesome. <laughs> have, we've got a great guest today. Joining us today from Sierra Nevada, from the NorCal region, is a certified master grower, a cannabis infusionist, a cannabis consultant, an innovator, an inventor, an educator, a freelance writer contributing to publications like Grow Magazine, an all-around cannabis Jedi Knight, I may have <laughs> and a returning judge at the esteemed Emerald Cup, the Infused Show, is truly honored to welcome our friend, AC Moon. AC, welcome. Woo! Hey, guys. Thank Yay! you so much for having me. It's so <laughs> cool what you guys are doing with the Infused Show. I'd love to be a part of it. Thanks. Oh, thank oh, you. We are so, so excited to talk to you and have everybody get to meet you and uh, learn about all the cool shit you do because it's all so cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah um, for... A lot of people, well, AC and I aren't just meeting. We already met at an event and in Nevada and we, we just hit it off. We were, we met and our souls kind of clicked and I'm just so excited to be talking to her and seeing her pretty face again. So really yeah, excited. That was a great that. time getting to meet you, girl. That was yeah. definitely a memorable moment. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was the best part. Cool. Loved that. Um, <laughs> and, and honestly, it was so funny. I remember being across from you and I was, intimidated the minute I realized you were like an OG, like a master grower. <laughs> like legit. And I was like, I need to not so desperately want her to like me. Oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but I was, I was so impressed because it's rare to meet somebody like you in this space. Cause everybody that, especially being an ancillary service provider and, you know, being media people with infuse, there's so many times that we talk to people that are in you know, traditional line of business that they turn that into cannabis or they leave right. that business to be in cannabis. And you're not, you're not, you've always done this. And so it's a story like nobody yeah. else's. And I want you to just share, share how it started and where you come from and all of that stuff that actually brought you to this plant and why you like chose this because it's fucking hard. Yeah. So That's you gotta love sure. it. <laughs> Thanks for at least <laughs> recognizing that it's hard. And I welcome all the ancillary brands and I love what you guys are doing. It's really cool to see conscious, you know, innovative people in the East coast that are coming on with a communal like vibe. Cause a lot of not to be different, a lot of people forget the communal vibe when they just get to migrate from other industries like accountancy and things like that. And they can just apply cannabis to it and continue for it. Those of us that grew up in this community, wow, you know, there's a lot of voices that aren't being heard. So we really appreciate yeah. that. And I really, you know, appreciate your guys' symbiosis with that. So oh thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. So I'll rock out my story real quick. Where should do we it. start? Do, do, do. Um, <laughs> I think that I grew up in like super rough era uh, where, you know, we were fighting for rights in California since, you know, late 80s. 
we, when I was in high school, they got um, medical marijuana passed. So Proposition 215 was, of course, done by my predecessors. Who mm-hmm. I always want to pay homage to because they're the ones that fought through, you know, Vietnam, all the things that are very diverse to our millennial minds. So I was raised around a whole bunch of crazy hippies that were growing weed up on a mountain and uh, people gun-toting rednecks that, you know, did whatever it is they could. My mother had cancer. It was a firefighter and a one hard chick. She actually was against <sighs> cannabis, even though she was an herbalist, and eventually passed away from cancer about four years ago because she really, <sighs> the prohibition of her growing up didn't allow her mind to be able to feel free to use cannabis. So I was kind of like the catalyst in the family that was like, we're fighting for legalization. We got to save you people. Everybody was sick. You know, there's just all those toxins that are remediated from the 70s and 80s. Everybody was getting down pretty hard there for a while, I think, when we were all kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so growing up in that kind of community, you kind of know that, you know, loose lips sink ships and you grew up with a hustle vibe. And I ended up on that Growing up on my own, I ran away at like 13, started growing up on the streets and hustling hard. And so pretty much I was the girl at the lockers that was like, hey, yeah, maybe at the locker. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Young entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, no, you yeah. could. You got to hustle, hustle hard and ended up in San Francisco somehow running booths and saw what Prohibition was doing. This is about like 96 or so like that. It really was like, holy cow, these people are fighting. And I, I walked around a corner in Oakland one time. There was this fat raid going on. These people are literally rioting for the freedom of their their little, like, small community. And somehow I just got into it and was like, oh, my gosh, they're fighting for what they believe in. And I just started fighting with them. And I remember taking, like, a couple of rubber bullets to the, you know, the, the sternum and really being all like, oh, they're not joking. Like they're trying to push all these people back. And it was like the law enforcement against the medical marijuana dispensaries at the time. Wow. And a couple of years later, I was inspired because I grew up in gardens. You know, everybody grew, they learned their homesteading, they lived off the, grid, off the grid and was like, hey, you know, well, I can do this too. I found little pieces of earth outside you know city limits and started doing what I could to grow with everybody and learned real quick and went to school for horticulture and started my first business harvest moon to try to create edibles because I had like a really big grudge watching my mom grow up with cancer like handfuls of pills and like all this stuff where you're like you don't even know what's going in your body and it just eventually kills people and I knew it at a really young age I was seeing a lot of people die so I started just making all of these food that my mom used to make on the wood stove and made it infused and just figured out infusing and critical limits and boiling points and how we can interact plant matter with everything that we intake and really started, I became a vegetarian, I've been a vegetarian for like 19 years because I had like this conscious awakening. It was like, this isn't a drug. I don't want to be a part of a drug culture. I want to be part of a medical marijuana movement. So Wow. Crazy time. Crazy time. I love that. I I love that this like awakening of consciousness where it came from. It's so self-made. You built it like you are so absolutely like the most genuine uh, participant like in this space that I think I've ever met. Um, And and, you know, we we've connected over 
my story with my, my twin sister. And it was kind of the same thing. It was just a lot later where it was like, God, I can't believe this prohibition has, has categorized this plant as dangerous and illicit when this whole time she was on all these drugs that could have been substituted with cannabis in a lot healthier ways to help her potentially live longer, but certainly leave, live better. And it's, it's when you see that to so, someone you love and that happens, it is, it is absolutely, you're willing to fight and you're, you're willing to take those, you know, shots and push through if you, if you mean it, but God, you had to learn so much, so much science, like so yeah. much. Well, it's I went amazing. to school for horticulture you know, shortly after that, I spent most of my twenties as a single mom living off grid, trying to take care of my mom with cancer and going to college. And so I per pursued my degree in environmental horticulture as well as forestry and um, got into marine botany and uh, tried to really like learn researching and um, all the aspects of plant medicine I could. And I kept genetics alive now for like 19 years where I saw like this one specific cultivar, which for me is Afghani goo that um, I've been able to manipulate to high elevations to be able to grow it under 26 degrees, being able to manipulate genetics through just having this dedication to saying, this is the one that creates the medicine that we need in the future. And so like, I know a lot of people that have that recognition of the plant and I, you know, it almost brings me to tears to hear stories such as your own, which is so true of so many people of, you know, even the aging people, you know, you can't go into a retirement community. I was blasphemized for going in and sneaking in sm smoothies that were infused mm -hmm. to an old, my older, you know, stepdad and my uncle and my best friend, because you wanted to help them with these herbal remedies. And I got the cops called on me. So it's like, there's no safety net for people that just want freedom of plants. So besides where we are going with the industry and everything, I really try to just tell people, go back to your roots, you know, learn how to farm again. Like mm -hmm. cannabis is a gateway to the garden and that we can heal ourselves through what we grow because this is like the love cycle. It's an energy cycle. And these plants are alive. Like they're part of every single thing we eat and breathe. So I don't want people to forget that. I but love the gateway to the garden. That is, <laughs> yeah. isn't that beautiful? It's a gateway drug, but the gateway to the garden is such a 180 and unexpected. I love that expression. Yeah. Well, it's important yeah. because I think people forget that we can, they're like, oh, I can grow weed because they're seeing it hyped all over media, but they're like, oh, wait, I can grow a tomato. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you can grow a tomato. You can grow anything. You can grow like literally anything. You want salvia, you want mushrooms. If you're really into the drug culture, I mean, sh shit, you can grow acid. I mean, literally, if that's your purpose, make that your purpose or grow a willow and a birch tree and make your own aspirin. And yeah. you know, it's your prerogative. These plants are powerful and they're being, we're having to take them over and commerce off of them. So that brings me back to the raids. And so after many years with Harvest Moon Munchie Company and going from working in the Bay and bringing everybody's goods from the woods and down to the hood. That's fine. Musical interlude. It's all good. Yeah. Right. It's a peaceful call waiting. Goods from the woods <laughs> down to the hood. That's, <laughs> that's what we have to do. I have to bring the goods from the woods down to the hood. And they distribute, you know, and it was every color of people that were the distributors in the Bay Area. And then later on in Los Angeles, I was interacting with everybody from people that were dealing with Snoop Dogg to the whitest dudes in, in Hollywood. So it, there was a real diversity back then because it was like 
everybody was opening dispensaries. I was working with Ukrainians and Russians at the time. <laughs> questionable Whoa. at this point. And so it, the raids came and the raids came for shutting us down as edibles companies because, you know, there was labeling that distinctly showed, you know, cartoonish figures that would appeal to children. They're, the whole thing that we're going through right now, we've already been through in California before under medical and they shut mm. doors down, they shut places down. We had to relocate like six times and just mm. rename yourself under a new nonprofit, bounce around, try to avoid it. And then it got a little bit deeper to where the feds came. <laughs> Don't like saying that word too often on yeah. the internet. <laughs> Frank will bleep uh, it so, out. The big boys came, the three little words that we don't say, it's like Baltimore. <laughs> and, <laughs> they came, unfortunately, and raided my whole community. And so I am from a very remote mountain in Northern California where 90% of the community lives off grid, yurts. There's a lot of low profile rainbow gatherers, old hippies, people that are revolutionary in the space of fighting Vietnam War, like people that were actual hippies. Yeah. I can't be a hippie. I'm not from the 70s. I'm not from the 60s. I can just have a hippie mentality, you know? Consciousness is a collectivity thing. And I uh, just saw all these people get severely raided. My partner was uh, put in federal penitentiary for two years for 24 plants. I myself had to run from federal indictment and eventually had to leave the country, giving up a lot of what we built. They also... Unfortunately, law enforcement is very corrupt and they also steal from people that they raid. They're, mm -hmm. they're left with no evidence sheets whatsoever and they just take from you, considering everything that you do, including photographs of your children, you consider it contraband. <sighs> and so that is things that we dealt with, the shutting down of our dispensaries, the shutting down of our environments and completely you know, monopolizing our, my entire community's amount of money because one guy, one guy was stupid enough to try to pull the IRS and try to slam a million dollars through like a landscaping company or something. And then it brought the heat to everybody. And so that was something that, you know, we all dealt with for many, many years. They came back again in 2012. I was working in New York and uh, unfortunately got a call that they were again at my home and um, at my actual home residence where, you know, they went to a local school. They all the kids had to see these these cops with firearms like creating this fear of the future and it was, it was a really really corrupt time and uh you know it was only 10 years ago and wow. so i try to remind people all the time this is this is not really over i avoided wow. indictment but again all of my partners did not and wow. uh, so i went on to want to just be honest and tell people you know the story of what goes on you know the green raids that went on the operation green storm they were paratrooping out of helicopters into our full-on farms and taking hostages no matter what the ar-15s with people held on the ground coming out of their trucks we were locked into small communities uh, of farms where they just held federal trucks on every single exit and waited and waited until we had to go out for supplies. And then slowly but surely, they pick everybody off. So as time went on, I realized that our community was changing in a drastic way. And I decided to invent something I'd been using myself. So I started pirating these like 
outdoor, you know, I was growing three or 400 plants and we had like outside of greenhouses and everybody's trying to get ahead. And I was like, what can I invent? So I started stealing all these umbrellas and <laughs> patios. It was like, okay, I'm putting this over my plant. No, no, nothing's getting on my weed. You're not getting broken. There's no mud bud. And then just yeah. evolved a concept out of it and started inventing and invented crop tops greenhouses in 2012. Oh, they say what nice. thievery is the mother of invention, right? You got you got that covered, you know. <laughs> that was, yeah. that was, um, I look, you were taking us back. I, I really have to focus on this, uh, AC, real quick for our listeners because um, I was in pre-show and with with all our team. I was like, I, I really hope she talks about, you know, in your bio, you mentioned the rough years of prohibition, and I think that people just know that at a glance, and they just know that yeah, prohibition, and they do like you said, it's not over. But thank you so much for taking us in you know, on that kind of thorough yeah, journey. That was fantastic. That. Be- because you said something, Mike, that I thought was really cool. And I both like I, I think I just signaled to Mike. I was like, oh, damn, that's a good line where you said you kind of took your grudge and kind of uh, you, you went you morphed that from a grudge into a passion about this plant and about this community that took you in uh, when, when you were in a rough space. Absolutely. But right now, you know, it's hard because as we see our places of advocacy. I was just on the phone with somebody that's been in this for 43 years, you know, somebody that doubles my experience and looking at them, they're being left behind. Like our legends are literally being left behind because they don't operate in this hype space. They operate on the old school black book of. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So we have to, we have to really, you know, pay attention and, you know, you'll be the first space that I offer the information of, I, I write for a pretty well-known magazine. I like to create content for a lot of people in realistic values. Mm-hmm. We were starting to create as a community in Oregon, a hemp farm that was owned by that particular entity. And the big guys came in two years ago for a hot hemp crop that tested at 10% over the hemp limits of 3%. And they have now been federally indicted. And this was two years ago. Um, you know, full fog cans blown open with kids in the house. Kids were taken. Things were taken. Trucks were yeah. taken. The war is definitely not over. So as we talk about cannabis commerce and how we can all enter the cannabis space, how we can all build the cannabis space together, how we can be part of it, it's really important to look at the reality of it. And it's not federally legal. It's not federally legal. So when we're walking into these spaces, when we're putting ourselves on camera, when we're putting ourselves in front of weed, all the kind of you know, you are in the lineup of you better be prepared. This is still a war in our tiny little space. It's not like the Ukraine war, thank God, and pay homage to them. But in our own space, it's still a war. Yeah, it's AC, how do you like make the mental transition from like the the background that you just described in, in such great detail to making a business of it to say, you know, it's like, it's hard in my mind. I'm really fascinated by the notion of being like, you've operated underground for so many years. Now you're saying, all right, I'm going to kick off, you know, the munchies and, you know, harvest moon munchie. And then I'm going to go with the crop tops, greenhouse solutions. And now with your current venture, I mean, that's a mental shift to go from being like, I'm going to go from being underground to to not mainstream, but I'm going to try to run a a legit business that, (laughs) you know, is going to be able to sustain. Yeah. Like, it's hard to run the business, but it's hard to make the mental shift too. Yeah. That's the thing that impresses me about this. 
Thanks. I really appreciate that acknowledgement, actually. And what I'm doing is trying to encourage my people to come out of the woods. You know, we're back. A lot of legacy people are back in poverty. And one thing that we're seeing is through the cycle of Proposition 64 in, in California, that the East Coast has the opportunity to feed on that information is how things have gone through policy, how the taxation systems have gone, how the need for cross-marketing and communication is just so, you know, it's so important because everybody is back in poverty here, you know, legal, recreational, medical, or whatever, they're slipping back into where nobody can catch hold. It's all going to be about mergers and acquisitions. And in the end, it will be 14 large companies governing everyone. And the only way that we can stop that is by really communicating the truth of the information and how corrupt the system already is set up to be before we even enter it. And you have to be prepared to acknowledge that and fight for it. And for me, being an advocate at Roots, you know, I could have been rich a long time ago. Could have sold out my company to Monsanto. I could have done a lot of things. But the the knowledge is, is that this earth is all we got, like literally all we got. If we do not like fight for what is right, then the, the Ukraine ain't even the beginning. This whole thing is over. So right. I, I I want the people the opportunity to see that prohibition is a tool for us all to like join together. And like you said, like necessity is the mother invention. It's it's literally the necessity is the mother invention. And we have the opportunity to invent an entire new line of making money if we do it right. But we got to join it. We got to like fight. I don't know. That's the only thing I can do is trying to inspire others to be like, don't be afraid. Because right now, if I go to federal jail and they finally get away with trying to indict me, which I know they can't because there's a federal law that says that you get three times the charge. I get to file federal harassment charges against them. Um, the fact is, is that, you know, if somebody doesn't stand up and say, you know what, like, yeah, uh, then, uh, you know, nothing's going to change. They're going to take over no matter what. So if we don't stand up and have influence in the takeover, then we're already screwed anyways. So yeah. And, and that's really important because I want you guys on the East Coast to see that you have the ability to manipulate all your local regulations still yeah. enough to where you can see us as an example, you know, some degree. Well, you I, set up your co- cooperative builds, you know, realize that cooperative model growing and agricultural co-ops are the most important aspects of cannabis and, and learning licensing. That's really where my target focus is right now with educating people through indicainnovations.com is, is building licensing platforms where I can sell my idea to you and um, we're going to work together and create that commerce together. And just like Dole Farms, I'm going to have 15 farms underneath the same label. But um, that's going to you know, save a ton of costs and it's going to make distribution a lot easier. So, I, I, You know, I didn't want to uh, fail to get this one in here. We, we know you mentioned that that war that, that, that we're, we're, the big guys are coming and, and you know, the legacy people are... are we got to fight this one way or the other. I wanted to ask you about the other war that's out there too, and whether or not this was part of your thinking when you when you develop crop tops greenhouses. Um, AC, are we are we paying enough attention to uh, Mother Earth crying out and and saying, "Please, please stop beating the hell out of me"? <laughs> it's got to be part of your your work too, and, and all growers. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I think conscious movement in our community is probably the most valuable thing that we can retain as even a 
somebody that's just a consumer and all the way, because they can make a conscious choice on what labels they endorse and purchase. The, the more that we are, you know, gaining knowledge as a community and that we can convey that to the people that want to start participating in it, the more that we're going to be able to have effect that's positive on the earth. And so yeah. even though I, I mean, that's one of my most important aspects of being an innovator as somebody that helping innovate recipes, helping innovate packaging, help, helping from the grassroots of beginning your business being conscious all the way from the start to the finish and, and developing something new if that's what fits your sustainability model. And, and not just walking in being all like, okay, I'm gonna, I work in internationals, so please, I'm not speaking poorly of an international entity. I'm not going to support only Chinese manufacturers or only, you know, we have to think about the this future of cannabis commerce and how we can consciously innovate here in our homestead situation. And so that's really important for us to just go grassroots. If I want to be a conscious consumer, I, and I'm not in the cannabis space, I wouldn't even know where to begin of like what, what labels to look for, how to know if I'm buying from a corporate entity that's, you know, labeling as a small grow because they have 50 brands that they actually carry. And so they make it look real, real humble or artsy, but actually it's all rolled up into the same corporation. And so I think there's a gap there with teaching new consumers how to be a part of cannabis in quote unquote, the right way, you know, the way that actually makes it sustainable for everyone. And I don't know if you have any advice on that. Well, I would only say that when people are like, cause people come to me a lot from the East coast that are like, I want to get into this. I want to develop this. And, um, people are kind of redoing things to the point of where we're not only regurgitating old information, but we're, we're like resharing a thousand things that are old information. And we're not really innovating the next thought, which the n- next thought is, you know, people think that hemp plastic is more sustainable. Well, it is in some ways, but look at the chemistry of it. It actually is built to not break down. It's a very strong material. So it's only certain polymers allow that. So in order to educate yourself on how to build a business in this space that is innovative from the ground up, you're going to have to educate yourself on all the different aspects. You're going to have to educate yourself on how are my edibles ingredients organic? You know, hopefully the green movement in America and beyond has taught us that we want to spend the extra dollar on an organic tomato. We want to do because it at least has positive influence on the on the planet, you know, and so hopefully they're going to look towards it and go, okay, well, this is like an organic, sustainable model and and being able to look at things where, um, gosh, there's a couple of different entities that are. Gosh, the regenerative farming and probiotics, they're starting to create labels that are certifying farms to be, even though we can't certify organic because that's a USDA model and that's federally ran, we are creating our own interstate organic certification programs that at least validates each other. So I really look, you know, tell consumers to start working in that space. And if you're building a business, definitely look towards becoming green certified so that you know, you represent a higher standard to other people around you. 
Is is that a lot of your focus with the Indica Innovations, AC? Is that of that kind of business that you're involved with and started? Is that really what you're focusing on there? Is like the kind of coaching, consulting, shaping of the next generation of products? I can honestly say that I'm very diverse with Indica Innovations. Um, I built Indica Innovations International as I was starting to work um, a few years ago in international waters. Um, actually, first building a 300-acre medical marijuana farm, uh, their medical marijuana laws, I resonated towards the advocacy of their new generation, which was exactly okay. like what I had already gone through was medical marijuana. So helping them build out raw land cultivation of facilities, adhering and understanding new certification processes, building standard operation, standard operating procedures, Again, understanding certifying bodies, because in these international waters, a lot of them don't um, have the educational body to understand. And so even here in the United States, where we do understand FDA, USDA, or what the future of these certifying bodies will be, it's still important to bridge that gap. So I consider myself an innovator and a bridger, where I'm like, I understand all aspects of cannabis. And because of that, I can give a broad range consultation on how you can build the most advantageous, sustainable model possible and know exactly how to track it in the future for being able to evolve wow. as this industry evolves. That, that's really what I'm trying to do is just help yeah. people innovate in every aspect. You want to build a new type of plant patent and you want to build a new cultivar, we can do that. Edibles, we can do that. You want to build a whole new business brand, we can do that. If you want to build a, you know, an educational platform, you can do that as well. You can do anything in the cannabis space. It's amazing. Cannabis causes <laughs> creativity. <laughs> no, who are a lot, like when, when you think about that business, well, I'm sorry, Nick, real quick. No, no, um, no. Who are the people that are really reaching out to you? Is there a certain like type of like people that are in like make inquiries or the East coast, West coast, like any like pattern? Yeah. Are they just like starting? Are they pretty established? And then they need it's to all over up. the place all over the yeah. place, honestly, because I am OSHA and FDA and um, OMRI and ISO certified in those types of aspects, I can help large facilities upgrade or become certified bodies, as well as create Sigma-6 complete certifiable processes wow. that actually save money, save time, you know, save expenses and type of things. But also a lot of grassroots, you know, since Francesca and I met at those small events, the, the more often I do the smaller events, the more I'm, I'm speaking to the grassroots entrepreneur that just wants an entry point. So I'll yeah. get those calls that are like, how do I build an edibles business? How do I, you know, all these types of things. And uh, so that's one thing I do love about this is mm -hmm. the ability to speak in a diverse manner. And that's yeah. really why career in cannabis from decades back gives me that amicability of where I can work throughout the entire, you know, the entire system. Besides wow. law, that's very endemic to every area. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Is, do you it. see the East Coast potential as something that's that's exciting and good? Or here's because here's my like as an East Coaster, my problem with it is that we don't have the cannabis history and culture that the West does. And so we are almost every state is almost 100% vertically integrated. And like, it just is set up for that corporate win because the East Coast is more cities and corporate. And so it's yep. seeing that kind of is crushing for a company like us when we're trying to work with these craft growers to get them, you know, strong enough to survive the corporate growers and 
there seems to be like a lack of the craft element in the East Coast. But I don't know if it's just how we're looking at it, if it's a bias lens or what you're seeing about the East. Uh, I really have always admired the East Coast because um, there's less of a relaxed vibe. California has always been like the Irie vibe, you know, like, hey, dude, we're going surfing, like, whatever. Let's go smoke some weed by the tree. But like on the East Coast, you go over there and they're like, fuck you, you know, the taxis go right by. So there's like a completely different vibe in these places. <laughs> but it was built as the, the like grassroots of American economy. It literally mm-hmm. houses you know, we may have the hype over here in Cali, but you guys have the actual foundational policy money. The business, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the business sense. And so full integration is something that I wish that California had preemptively seen as the power play because fully mm-hmm. integrative allows even a larger corporate integrative model of licensing and cooperative sponsorship as possible. So when I speak to just craft growers that are only in the medical space, depending on if they're in Vermont, Michigan, wherever, and they're approaching the ability to get 10,000 square foot licenses, 20,000 or whatever, to become an actual licensed craft farmer, that's when I really look towards your guys' platform as an, an expose of being able to help us bridge the gap. And again, Hmm. speaking about licensing and teaching not only the big guys and the fully integrative guys that it's gonna be to their advantageous to buy that recipe from that, you know, that edibles maker and have their SOP in their portfolio. It's gonna be important Mm -hmm. for that craft farmer to go, okay, I have to give up 52% of my control to this larger entity and use their label but I am going to still be successful in my grow because that's cooperative modeling saying that I have Vermont cannabis growers cooperative. And that means that it's, you know, 15 growers growing underneath the same label. They're, they're showing the same expenses. They're able to market under a unified sector and that makes them be able to be fully integrated just in being sun grown or greenhouse or indoor farmer. And so just creating more cooperative models like that in, you know, fully integrative model, I think you guys are actually going to be more successful than the West Coast. That's funny because I, 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 you, you, you mentioned bias, Francesca, and that's where I am. I'm looking at, I'm like, East Coast is stupid because they haven't learned <laughs> from the West Coast and they keep trying to like do something different. And they're going to, I think we're going to like have some success, but some setbacks because they, I just feel like they're from, they're setting it up from a corporate standpoint, which is good and bad. You know what I mean? And, well, it's yeah. and uh, so it's interesting to hear your perspective. Yeah, well, unfortunately, really the, the reality of it is that Big Pharma comes in when we get rescheduled. That's the only thing that's held back Big Pharma from being able to govern something that we use the term medical with. You mm-hmm. use the term medical with anything. It's governed by a compliant body that represents Big Pharma. So we've been able to use this term very loosely as we approach recreational marijuana in every single state. So they have more money than all of us combined. Like yeah. all of us combined and True all story. of that, they own the gas company, they own the pill company, they own the whatever, they own the bleach company and the place that makes things dirty, like the both of them. That is so good. <laughs> it's that. true. So we can't really argue about the fact that East Coast is realistic. They already know that the larger models are going to eat the smaller models. It's just important for egos not to get in the way and for community to still be the like leading aspect into it. 
and innovative. And going back to brainstorming at the table, I love your guys' model because you guys all come together. Coming together and saying, okay, how, how can we build this better? How can we build this bigger? How are we going to stay in the game and make it and evolve? And it takes sometimes five, six, 20 minds to make that work. I know from being as a single entrepreneur on my own, you know, consulting is the way that keeps me inspired because on our own in our gardens, it's very easy to get lost in the compost pile. Like really yeah. easy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It is. We, we say that a lot of times just from the standpoint of when you're by yourself, you get locked up in your own like barriers, your own like insecurities, your own, your own like things can hold you back so much easier than if you're around other people and all of a sudden like, boom, you're past that and you're moving forward because it's like it's one plus one equals five when you're doing it in like a group thing type scenario. And with cannabis, doubly so. You know, back in the day, you did mention that there's never been a cannabis culture really. I get where you're coming from, being from upper, upper East Coast, but I guarantee you there's a cannabis culture in the East Coast. I've been yeah. working in those rings for a long time too. And it's just so much more hidden and so yes. much more, so, you know, society has definitely been all like, you're below the pub. Get underneath yes. that whiskey bottle, like right now, <laughs> stay there with lobster sandwiches. And so, <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and so it's kind of, it's interesting to to Lobster. just see <laughs> exactly East Coast all about the lobster. <laughs> so I think that as soon as you guys have those cooperative models bending bridges, that's why we need the West Coast to combine with the East Coast because we have that legacy outdoor model and greenhouse model, how to work with the environment, how to work with Mother Nature, and still commerce off of it. So East Coast meets West Coast. We yeah. might be able to build a whole new country. It's going to be like, a beautiful thing for sure. Now, you know, I know interesting I, about your. Co- oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Nick. No, no, no. Go, Mike. Uh, so you mentioned the cooperative thing. And I think that comes like, do you think that comes with market maturity? So like, you know, we work a lot in Oklahoma and we're seeing some farms come together and start working as co-ops, but not tons. And so I feel like it takes almost like some years of development and getting knocked around a little bit before you're like, uh, you know what, if we come together, we have more strength in numbers and we can do that. But like new markets coming out, I feel like they cooperatives probably like say in Michigan, there's probably not many cooperatives there, you know I mean? Relative to Cali, which has decades of more experience and time and development as a market. Unfortunately, I see a lot of being led by ego and mm-hmm. um, yeah. people are brandishing their need to be um, not, uh, you know, to be centralized or tantalized. Francesca and I have to deal with it on the daily of seeing IG girls just like, oh my God, like I look so sexy. Mm-hmm. And it's really like this centralized thing where people are so much into like affiliating it with the drug culture that they're yeah. like, this is the naughty thing. Like, oh, like, oh, I'm the black sheep of my family because I smoke weed. Soon that's all going to be obsolete and there's going to be a lot more firmer playing field. And the reality is if you don't work together, if you don't evolve, you dissolve. And that's just period. But if you work together, you're actually going to have a place at the table for these larger businesses to acquire and for you to have enough voices to hold a, a, you know, that place at the seat for a long period of time. And, yeah. Uh, we, I mean, we see it all the time where like nobody is good at everything. No. Nobody. So no. if you're a fucking killer farmer, awesome. Grow killer stuff and then 
hand the business side of it over to somebody who's a killer business person that is aligned with you in your goals and in your vision. And don't, don't feel like you have to carry all of that yourself because what you're going to do right. is drop it. It's so, true. I only got two hands. One of them yeah. is smoking weeds. So I don't know what to do with the other one. <laughs> well, maybe we need to put on some sort of program that is um, infusing East Coast. We'll call it like infused East Coast, West Coast, where we're infusing the education of grassroots farmers to the business minds of the East Coast. You know, I maybe we that. have to find like a way to name. like find a critical limit between the two of us. That Love is it. killer. Damn, <laughs> no wonder you've got Indica Innovations. Like, yeah. everybody hire her. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. Mike and I can both see the wheels turn in there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that is really good. <laughs> Listen, the, the website is amazing, AC. And I think every uh, budding gondrepreneur, there's something you offer for all of them. Uh, cultivation, product innovation, SOPs, certification setups. And uh, Mike, Francesco, you'll love this. Uh, this is just great wordplay, uh, AC. Fenos to food, to patents and processes, you offer full spectrum consultant. To gear you yes. I mean, well that, done. Freaking brilliant. That's well lovely. done. Loving it. I, I think our, our uh, audience would be really, really, um, uh, you know, I'd be remiss too if I didn't ask you about this, AC, because AC was so generous with their time uh, joining us today. We had to do a little rescheduling, some shuffling around, and AC was incredibly cool throughout the whole thing. Uh, I, I got to ask you about the work you're, you're doing because you're doing a little bit of traveling because you are a returning judge at the Emerald Cup. Now, this is the 18th oh, yeah. Cup coming up, 2022. Um, what What is that like? I know you can't take us all the way behind the curtain, but being a judge, being <laughs> Give a, a judge. Give peak. Yeah. Behind the smoky curtain, we see the Emerald <laughs> Cup. Curtain, you know, Emerald smoke. Cup is awesome. And I've been repping, sponsoring them. I've premiered Crop Tops Greenhouses. It was one of my ways of um, pushing, you know, out into the world. 2012, I first sponsored them. They are awesome. I endorse that family completely. These are where they're offering, you know, 30 free boosts um, just for equity farmers, small farmers that wow. can't afford to be part of the event. And so there's, they've taken a lot of time to, this is our first year combining Northern and Southern California. It's always been a Northern California event. And it is the largest cannabis cup, I think on the planet. And I think we're bigger than high times at this point. And so taking that modeling, there's some really grassroots judges. I mean, like I was telling you about the people that preceded me, there's a lot of those old timers that are in there that know exactly what's up. And if they've been watching Cannabis Evolve for 30, 40 years. So it's really cool to be part of groups where everybody has such like a collective, like everybody has their space, you know? Sure. Yeah, you, you do edibles, your flowers, your extracts, your diamonds. Okay, you're, you know, there's all these different, and when they come to, together in one space, uh, I think it's a really, really powerful experience. It's definitely very cool. So wow. we get a chance to try um, all sorts of different products. And my favorite part is the innovations. When we get a chance as judges to see the new products that are being, um, you know, marketed, and there actually could be anything from, you know, I think a couple of years ago, we had like an inhaler mm -hmm. where it was administered through, you know, oral um distillation and uh to like beef jerky that, that was interesting um the can <laughs> cannabis beer 
you know, I mean, there's pretty much everything from wacky tacky knockoffs to, you know, of course, 1700 different types of gummies, but um, I'm doing edibles judging this year and it was a lot of fun because I have been, you know, I built my whole empire uh, through edibles and trying to, to help people infuse cannabis into their lives. And so that's been a really important aspect. So that is judging is totally cool. We can't wait. To, we're on uh, we're in May down on Green Street Market Fair. So totally check out Green Street. Check out the Emerald Cup, Tim Blake, Taylor Blake, Victoria Shea. They're all awesome. Yeah, it nice. culminates with a two-day festival, May 13th and 14th this year. That's got to be a great time. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be I'm, a big I'm one. I'm going to check some flights and see if I can get out there because <laughs> oh, that should. just sounds too good to miss, honestly. I'll drag you around. We're going to see more indoor growing um, than ever since a lot of this you know, competition they built off of outdoor and sun-grown uh, regenerative farming and greenhouse farming. This will be the first time that we're actually seeing a huge swath of Southern California indoor. So it's going to wow. change the game. Definitely going to change. The game. That's, That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. It's going to be totally cool to see it. Is NorCal yeah. and SoCal like jets versus sharks or is it like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it used to be, it definitely used to be. And it, you know, when you, when you go travel like to your state and they're like, where are you from? Like NorCal, it, there's definitely a different vibe than I'm still like, I'm a SoCal. Oh my God. And so, so no, there's definitely some stereotypes attached to it. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a big state though. I mean, we cover yeah. like, yeah. you got like, what, seven states in the space that we have one state. So we have yeah, like yeah. a huge amount of diversity. And you're almost as big as, is <laughs> yeah, <California laughs> is really as big as Delaware. Yeah. AC, you can go north to south. You can get through our whole state in what about an hour and twenty minutes? Yeah. I've been, I've been, and I've always um, kind of was blown away the first time I went there because I was like, really, that was a state? Like that was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> don't sleep on the, don't sleep on our beaches though. We got some, we got some good ones. Um, uh, AC, we got to ask one more thing, please. And this is, I know Mike, Mike wants to ask about it. I want to ask about it. We have a clip of something you worked on uh, and you're yeah. still working on it. Could you please tell us about the chronic heroes of Bugtown? Absolutely. Yes. I am proud to announce this premiere. Right now, I just finished a pilot clip about a year, year and a half ago, where I took cannabis that I'd grown in my own farm and took the name of it and created a script. And so the original character that I created is LSD is Leonard Sigmund D. Rule. And he <laughs> took way too much acid and he lives in his grandma's basement. He goes on mad adventures with obviously too much LSD, which endemically is the strain name, which is a hybrid of 6040 indica and sativa that does pretty well in these NorCal mountains. There's other characters in it like Hindu Kush, which is actual Hindu Kush that I have dressed up to actually stereotypically and shamefully be the man who runs the Quickie Mart. And Bubba Kush is an obvious character that hustles on the corner. Each one of these are expressing, um, you know, stereotypical humor that we want to, uh, you know, love and value, but at the same time, educating people through humor. So being able to say, oh, hey, you know, don't you got to go inside? You're going to go into Bud. And just being able to like embed everybody's marketing and business into this comedy platform, it's going to be a lot of fun. So eventually I'm going to be creating a contest where 
we're going to either involve it with one of the cups that I work with or other platforms of where the person that wins those um, cups and establishments actually gets to have their own stream um, and their entire storyline onto the show. And then that will be their way of publicizing their new genetics. It should be a lot of fun. My uncle Martin, may you rest in peace, Dog Brain Studios um, with Lucas and Spielberg. They helped me create the 3D animation that's led down. So hopefully it'll go. Good luck to get this going forward. I mean, you have so many things on your plate and this one is definitely not one to to sleep on because it is really- I would love to also plug new kids book is going to be coming out in june i just finished my kids book and it's hopefully getting printed <laughs> on hemp paper and nice. it's about sustainability in and hemp and in the world so i'll send you guys some clips of that stuff please, that is please. how many hours let us are know in when your... we can pre-order yeah. <laughs> yes i'll send you guys some ac how many hours are in your day do you have more than 20 <laughs> i mean this is out of control well you know what's a blessing about turning i've never owned a television I've oh. never, I've never owned a television. I still don't. This amazing thing of what we call our mind is just very, very <laughs> cool. And when yeah. you get super stoned and you're like, oh my goodness, I can do anything. Uh, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're like, holy cow, this internet magic, this is magical. Like I can do anything. <laughs> and, and then you just kind of go off and you go broke trying to build a thousand platforms that you're just like i really want to be a cartoonist wait no i want to be claymation artist no maybe (laughs) edibles company no not that either maybe i'm gonna affect foreign policy let me go do that for a minute i'll be back back. (laughs) you're doing a great job at all of those things absolutely you guys are too it's great to meet you Oh no, it's it's an absolute pleasure. Now, we like to have a couple of uh, we like to have a couple of fun moments with our guests. You got time to get on the hot seat? Two fun questions, AC, coming your way. I don't know. I told you guys I'm really worried about that wording. I don't like to be on any sort of hot sheets because that means I have a warrant out for my arrest. Not here, not here, my friend. Never, ever, ever. AC Moon, they're making a movie about your life. They have to assign a narrator. Who's narrating the story of AC Moon? Oh my goodness, that was funny. <laughs> that one's super funny. I've never been asked off the world questions like that, but that is super fun. Who's that? that who's that chick that, oh, that beautiful woman that used to work with monkeys? Jane Goodall. Jane Goodall. Jane Goodall. That's a great answer. That's a <laughs> damn good answer. It's, so it's I, Jane Goodall. <laughs> I think that she would be most uh, most appropriate in, in conveying like, my message of sustainability in cannabis. Damn right. Wow. I really like <laughs> that. Wow. <laughs> and with all the guests that we just we just adore, we like to give them uh, one question of Francesca's that we call on this segment, would you rather? Francesca, take yeah. it away. So I, I have a feeling, I wonder if I can guess your answer, but I'll, I'll give it to you and let you answer first and see. Okay. So would you rather have to defend earth against an alien invasion or go to colonize a planet on behalf of earth and fight the aliens to colonize their planet as second earth? That's fun. (laughs) Either way you're fighting, I guess. Wow. I do like that. That's fun. 
<laughs> I think that I'd have to go grow weed on the new planet, though, because somebody's got to be a pioneer on Mars for marijuana. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I've been warring for far too long. It's time to grow in a new on the new cosmos. That'd be brilliant. All and right. new possibilities are all it's about. Right. <laughs> we'll innovate a whole new like Martian strain. It should be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> a legit forty percent. <laughs> right actually it's actually tests. called gravity extraction we're no longer using <laughs> machines we just like let space <laughs> itself suck the thc out of the matter and we'll Do smoke it. it while we're in space <laughs> leanest <laughs> extraction ever wins all the cups <laughs> right? talk about dry sifting <laughs> 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 we're gonna um we always want to we're gonna let our uh audience know how to get in touch with you in just a moment ac but i, I want to like final note of thanks and gratitude uh for the time we spent together on, on behalf of uh francesca and mike i, I want to sincerely thank you for being with us today and i want to share something with francesca and mike and everybody else that's on one of your pages that i read and it, it really resonates where ac wrote um provides a quote be like smoke rise by lifting others um thank you for lifting this show up and, and taking us with you today we've had a blast talking to you thank you for infusing the east and west coast information i appreciate you guys oh man ac how do we get in touch with you if people are looking to find you i got indicateinnovations.com you can also find me of course social media just type in ac moon linkedin ac moon cameron and um Personal email, we got munchymoon at yahoo.com, but make sure we keep that on the video. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thank Thank you you so much, AC. It's so good to see you again. I'm hoping to see you in May out in LA and we'll uh, we'll do it all That would be brilliant. And I wish I could hear passing it. Here, wait, wait, this way. All right, passing it to you, Francesca. There we go. (laughs) Can't wait to smoke with you again. And you guys have a most brilliant, brilliant day. Thanks so much again. Oh, awesome. You do the same. Too. Our guest has been AC Moon here on Infused, a cannabis talk show. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with her. We're going to see you next time, AC, and hopefully we'll, we'll see you out here in Delahoo, Delawat, Delaware. Bye-bye. Thank you. Remember to grow your own. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name's Kate, and I'm your host of the Pop Moms Podcast. I started the Pop Moms Podcast, well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests, to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short. So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.